Hello, welcome to this service. We're continuing our teaching series on how as church we can become family. So why do we want to become family? We all need a place to belong, but we also cannot personally survive without other people. We cannot thrive or reach our two true potential without the inspiration and encouragement of others. But why do we want to become family? Ultimately, it's all about Jesus. In my life, I can look back onto three specific times when I survived because of the touch of Jesus and because of the support of people from church family. He brings a purpose and a meaning to life in the current dark days, even in these days. There is no greater name or beautiful name than Jesus. And as a church, our overarching vision is continually reproducing the life of Jesus. We want to become family so that individually and together we can reflect Jesus more in the world. We cannot follow Jesus on our own and we will not reach our full potential in Jesus without others. So you discover that Jesus is the one and you join a church. And like a Disney film, we all live happily ever after. End of sermon. <laughs> Cue the sweet music. Afraid not. Instead, sooner rather than later, someone is going to upset you and you or I am going to upset people. In order to have sincere love rather than superficial love, we will need to forgive people and deal with conflict. Oh, I've said the word conflict. Our minds go to various past or present conflicts in our lives. Our stomachs start joining and we want to turn off. But don't. There's two really good reasons why not. The first is I'm going to talk about small C conflicts, not the big things. It's relevant to all of us. We, we all face conflict from time to time in life, in church, in every relationship. Yet... We rarely are taught how to deal with conflict. Most of us do it badly, me included. But if we can do conflict better, we will do life better. And secondly, conflict is an opportunity to grow to be more like Jesus. Much of conflict is neutral, neither good nor bad, but is our response to it that is positive or negative. It's in adversity that we grow most, even in this pandemic, in the pain and loss that we truly feel. We need to exercise huge amounts of self-compassion and grace to one another. But we also need to use this pain to grow deeper with God. This time of our lives is not necessarily lost because we can get connected more with God and go deeper in our own characters. So it is also true of conflict that it can be a means to greater connection with people and, and with God. If we're going to connect more with people and become this family that we want to be as church, we will face conflict. If we withdraw and run away, we will suffer huge loss. We will not know the joys of deeper relationships with people and ultimately with Jesus. The gains of connection 
are massive. Sadly, the church doesn't have a good track record. We have many different denominations that had often been born out of anger, withdrawal and hostility. The story goes that a man is rescued from a desert island where he survived alone for 15 years. Before leaving, he gave his rescuers a little tour of the buildings. This was my house. This was my store. Over here is where I go to church. One of the rescuers asked him, well, what's, what's next to it? And he said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. We laugh at that, but the next story is a true story, but again, funny. A group called the Church of God had a branch break off, calling itself the True Church of God. And a group spit off of that, calling themselves the only True Church of God. Sad but funny. Our subject today is how we can grow our connection despite conflict. So let's read what Paul says to the followers of Jesus in Rome. Romans chapter 12 verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual further serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute, bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This passage is really about loving one another despite our differences. So I entitled this talk some time ago, I entitled it Harmony Despite Conflict, based on live in harmony with one another. Yet it turns out this is quite a loose translation. Both the King James and the NASB have a different phrase here. They say, be of the same mind towards one another. Not be of the same mind as in believing exactly the same things, uniformity, but be of the same mind towards one another. And the thinking is that it's, it's think right about one another. Have the right kind of mind to one another. And Paul is most likely directing back to the words that he's already written about having that sincere love for everybody. And being devoted to brotherly love to everyone, to honour one another above yourselves. This is further seen by what Paul says after these words. Saying, be of the same mind towards one another. He then says what he's not saying. Don't be proud. Don't be conceited. But be associated with people of, of low, low association. 
conflict is a given in life. The key question is, how can we have connection despite conflict? So let's see how conflict occurs and how we often respond. And I found this diagram helpful from David Ortsberger's book, Caring Enough to Confront. Human beings have a basic need for purpose. So we have goals in our lives because God is a creator and we are made in his image. And we have thoughts and feelings about how to achieve these goals. And the more we express them, the more we assert them, the higher concern we have for these goals. Another basic need that we have is relationships, because again, we're made in the image of God and God is love and he is a relational God. And the higher the concern that we have for relationships, the more we will affirm people. value your goals a lot, you have a high concern for goals but a low concern for relationships, you tend to be down in this bottom right hand corner where you want to get, you want to have my way. And sometimes this is associated with aggressive behaviour. If you have a really high value for relationships, but you're not quite so assertive, you're in the top left-hand corner. And this is where you say to other people, your way. And that tends to be passive behaviour. But sometimes you may think, well, I'm not really assertive about what I want and I'm not really want to affirm relationships. And so I'm going to withdraw from this particular group of people. And you say, no way. And sometimes we... Where we really want to be is in the top right-hand corner, where we're asserting ourselves and we're affirming people. This is the collaboration zone. And what we're also talking about today, the connection zone. That's really where we want to be, up in this top right-hand corner. But sometimes we can't achieve that, and the best we can achieve is to be kind of in the middle of this diagram, what we might call compromise. Sometimes compromise is about the best you can get. The trouble is compromise it has two problems. One is you might get the bad half of the ideas of one party, and you get the bad half of the other side of the party. And neither of us, you are really very happy. And compromise by its very nature, there's something that you really want, something that is about you, something that is authentic you is lost.
because you only get a bit of what you really want. So compromise is not the, always not really where we want to be. Where we really want to be is in the collaboration zone. Now each of these five zones has value. In a, an emergency situation, my way can be important. Where someone takes the lead, makes the decisions, gets on with it and you solve the crisis. Your way can be appropriate. You might say, well, um, I'll let you have your way in this moment because we don't have time to, to go around this and discuss this. You just keep the peace. Or no way can be appropriate in a situation for with abuse. Sometimes, as I've said, all you can do is the best you can get is compromise. But where we should be trying to spend all our time is in that collaboration zone. We should be aiming for that connection where our true selves, our authentic selves are expressed about what our desires, our needs, our values, our goals really are. But at the same time, we are affirming other people. This is where we want to be. So how can we stay in the collaboration zone, the top right area, that the connection zone? That's where we want to be. One of the things is we can have the condition of our hearts right, something to do with identity. See, it's often insecurity and fear that cause us not to be in that connection zone. The your way, the passive person, often thinks that they have no value. My opinions don't matter. Fear, and they fear not being loved, so they seek to please people. Or the my way, amazingly, also is about from fear and insecurity. They seek to gain control through gain value through control and they're perhaps even afraid of the whole world so they seek to control what they can control and the no way might have been rejected before i'm not worth knowing i'm not going to risk it again so they withdraw from so many situations but instead coming from a place of our security that god gives us covered by his love we can collaborate and connect and the rewards are huge in our passage, Paul mentioned two things that break collaboration and connection. The first one is pride, that we think we're above other people. The, really, we are all broken deeply and we need to realise that and we need to take responsibility. So often we sort of say, um, sorry, I hurt you, but you did this, this, this and this. Instead, we need to say, sorry, full stop. I'm sorry, full stop. We need to take that responsibility for our actions. And in fact, so many relationships could be sorted out with much deeper humility. The other thing is conceit. We think we're right. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And someone's translated that section of the passage. Don't take yourself too seriously. Others can really teach you something. And it's quite well known that we all have blind spots, things that we don't see about ourselves. We need to be open to others' perspective. And maybe as you're thinking about this conflict this morning or whenever you're watching this, you're not feeling too great about yourself because you're thinking about those past conflicts and difficulties. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and values you. And we are not defined by our failures, 
by, by his love and call on our lives. And we need to learn to speak that truth over our lives. So I want you to join with me doing that now and repeat after me. I am not defined by my failures, but by God's love and call on my life. And maybe let's just say it again. Say it to the person next to you. And if you're on your own, just say it in front of the God who loves you so much. I am not defined by my failures, but by God's love and call on my life. How can we do conflict well and be in that collaboration zone, being confident of our identity in Jesus and being open to others' perspective? The second way that we can do that is that connection really comes through understanding and not necessarily through agreement. When we come into a life situation, we see things a particular way based on our upbringing and our past experience. And we all have different understandings. We're all different. And so there is that conflict when we come together. And so often in our minds, our goal of communication is often about that agreement to sort out that conflict. Yet this is the wrong place to start. The foundation of connection is understanding. And one thing that I really love you to remember is the principle of connection through understanding rather than agreement. You see, you can agree to disagree and still connect if you've taken the time to understand one another. And on the other hand, if the discussion is all about agreement, there is the danger that we'll seek to get our way. And there is, Im and there is immediately the danger of that manipulation and control to get that agreement after your own way. Instead, if we're going to have connection, we should start with understanding. So we need to express our own needs and feelings and thoughts, our goals, our aspirations, our authentic self. And then the other people need to listen well, feed back what, what the person's saying and understand their emotions, that empathy that Derek talked about Rejoicing with those that rejoice, mourning with those that mourn. We need that authenticity about our true selves being out there so that there is understanding. And we shouldn't expect people to mind read. They will get it wrong. It is our individual responsibilities to share our thoughts and feelings and other people's responsibility to listen. The third thing I want to say about how we can be in that top right hand corner, that connection zone, is we need to have a context of mutual appreciation and encouragement. Honour one another. This enables that bridge of a relationship to be built so when there is disagreement there will still be that connection. And the fourth thing I think that helps us is to have that conversation when to talk well we shouldn't always talk about issues there are many bible verses that would speak of bearing with one another in love of love covering a multitude of sins and that's where the emphasis should be but ken sands in his book the peacemaker points out that this point of view of christians of of love and our desire not to face conflict often means that as christians we fail to talk 
fail to have that conversation. We're called to be peacemakers, not avoiders of conflict who walk away or appeasers that just let others have their views. We're called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And Jesus, he doesn't run from conflict. Ken Sands goes on, says, overlooking an offence is, is inappropriate in two situations. Firstly, if it has created a wall between you and another person or caused you to feel differently towards him or her for some for more than just a short period. Or secondly, if the offence is causing serious harm to God's reputation, to others or to the offender, we need that conversation. But who goes to who? Well, there's the initiative seems to be anyone really. Matthew 5.23 and 18.15 take different views. So it doesn't matter. Somebody make it. Make that initiative. But there needs to be the discussion in the right time and place. If you're angry, cool off and then talk. Ephesians 4, 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. It is so easy to sin when we're angry. The emotions overtake us and we don't think clearly and speak clearly and do the right thing. But that verse goes on. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And I don't think it means literally. What it means is do it soon. Have that conversation soon. Deal with your anger. Deal with the situation. What it means is, because if you don't, you come to the next bit, which says, do not give the devil a foothold. It can lead to resentment and further difficulties. But in these discussions, there's a couple of other things we need to home in on. We need to separate the issue from the person, because people have identity and value in their own right. And we also need to separate people's opinion is not their identity our our identity is because we have value in the sight of god but we do need that conversation how are we going to do it there's lots of different pieces of literature out there and things that you can um can get hold of but one that is quite people use is i messages rather than judgments not you don't have to do, you don't have, let's start again. You don't do enough housework. But I'm frustrated about all the mess in the house. I would be happier if I didn't have to do it all. And over the years, I've had this discussion with Sue, my wife, but not this way around. <laughs> Notice this expresses your feelings, not what you think about them, or what they must do. Another example might be this. You are a terrible driver. Why do you drive so fast? Better would be, I feel afraid when you drive this fast. I need to feel safe and protected when I am in the car with you. You need to express your needs. It's not the other person's job to guess or mind read. Perhaps they should know, but clearly they don't. Mind reading leads to all kinds of 
misunderstandings, mess and barriers that sometimes just don't exist. Instead, we need that conversation of clarification. And after you've expressed your needs and they have listened, only then the other person should express their needs and you listen. But once both sets of needs have been expressed and understood, together then you can see if it's possible for both sides' needs to be met. This is called a win-win situation. And, that will, and we'll look a bit more into that in the small group material. OK, a win-win is not always possible, so compromises have to be made at times. However, greater connection can be found if you've gone through that process of understanding each other's needs. And if you still agree, disagree, it can be OK to agree not to disagree. The reality is conflict is a given. What is not a given is how we respond. Conflict means that we will, conflict can be a means to greater connection with people and with God or sadly disconnection. That so easily leads to dissatisfaction rather than fulfillment, distance rather than belonging and despair rather than hope. A useful book is Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. He writes that he and his wife Sherry are testimony of the power of choosing to keep their love on against all the odds. Amazingly, between their two sets of parents, there were 15 marriages. And Danny and Sherry, unbeknown to them, had failed a compatibility test so badly that the psychologist wrote, do whatever you can do to stop these human beings from being in the same house together. Yet connection, their story proves that connection is possible despite conflict. As we get hold of some of these principles, we deal with the condition of our hearts. We become confident in the identity in Jesus and have, we have the humility to be open to other people's perspective. And we have connection through understanding rather than necessarily agreement. And we have that wider context of respect and encouragement of people. And we have that conversation rather than withdrawing. But why bother? Why bother with all of this? I love the stories that I heard a few weeks back of how people have survived due to the love of Jesus shown by the church. And I love the stories of how people have thrived and become into their full potential in Jesus. I want more stories. And in order to do so, we will have to conf conquer conflict and become family. But ultimately, why bother? I'm convinced that now more than any time in my life that life and life in abundance is found in Jesus and we're not going to know more of him as church and honour him more as church unless we do this together and we become family. Let's pray. Lord, We've looked at some difficult things today. Help us to deal with conflict better. Thank you, Lord, that wherever we come this morning, you love us immensely. 
you put enormous value on us. Would you help us to do things better and so become more connected with people? And we would church, we would become a family more and more. And as we become connected, we will become more connected with you, Lord Jesus. We love you. Amen.